0: Hello, Hive Nation, and welcome back to the Hive Nation podcast. Each week, we bring you leading experts in personal and professional development to share their journey and expertise to help you connect, engage, grow, evolve. Now, here's JB to introduce today's guest.
1: Hey, thanks, Craig. Hey, this morning, we have a great uh, guest on from Portland, Oregon. Uh, Mr. Andy Hung is our guest today, and Andy took his passion of judo and uh, jujitsu and made a actual company out of it or a business side of it uh a small business owner and he very much echoes as to what the hive nation and what the hive professional network is is doing here and so it's a real pleasure to have andy on uh and he's been basically in in judo for 25 years uh started out in hawaii and uh transferred his his uh talents to the to the mainland and uh uh, went to San Jose State, uh started off there, uh obviously kicked ass, uh meddled uh throughout the states, uh, you know, and then basically started a, a business out of it. And you know, we could basically take that, take that same that same story and put that to every industry that we're talking about today. But Andy took it from judo and uh Andy, it's it's a pleasure to have you on the show today. Hey, I just want to say Thank you both for the opportunity and sharing
2: your platform with me. Uh just right off the top, I appreciate the opportunity and it's my pleasure to be here today. And uh super stoked to just dive into the um whatever conversation wherever the rabbit holes kind of lead. Um you kind of we were kind of talking beforehand um just being passionate and then I feel like what, looking through you guys content, you guys are kind of doing a good job of like getting a network of passionate individuals from all walks of life, all sorts of industries, education, whatever it is and creating this nice like network. So I just want to thank you guys both for allowing me to actually like plug into that network from the top. So thank you very much for being here today.
1: You bet. Speaking of speaking of plugs, actually, I need to do this real quick. So, your stateside, we've had a lot of stateside uh, listeners and viewers lately, and I had one reach out to me. So, shout out to my partner in crime, Courtney is her name in Montana. She's our newest and latest fan. So, uh, shout out to you, Courtney. Thanks for the uh, thanks for the plug. Uh, but anyways. Uh, Getting onto it, Andy, can you can you talk to us a little bit about how you decided to transition your passion for judo and for or for even uh, combat sports into a you know a small business as in uh, Dojo Outfitters?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, we could th- that question could probably be the whole the whole podcast, right? <laughs> so if you talk to, it's if perfect. You, so if you talk to anybody, it's it's a it's a journey of. Um, a thousand steps with a lot of people helping me and supporting me. But the bottom line is um, you kind of touched on it. I did, I've been doing judo jitsu my entire life since I was 13. I'm 38 now. And um I was fortunate to go to San Jose state, um, the Olympic training center on the West coast that is attached to an education system. And I ended up getting my business management degree. Um, It took me some time. I was a, I was a full-time judoka and like a part-time student. So it took me some years, but I did get my business degree. So even from, Uh, that college time I was already training and already developing my business acumen. And um, once I got out of college and graduated, my brother and I moved to Portland, Oregon to open up Portland Judo. Um, We recently left that gym a couple of years ago. Um, But that gym at one point was also one of the largest dojos in the country. And kind of just over time, developing that business acumen, making a lot of mistakes. um, We could do a whole nother thing. I'm, I'm sure if you talk to any business owner, Um making mistakes along the way is actually um part of the learning process. And I think it actually helped me become a more passionate individual. Um long story short, I just felt like coming from Hawaii, um there's these things called swap meets. You probably have them uh probably in Canada, but essentially what I'm really trying to get to is being a young kid in Hawaii, we would my dad would take me to these swap meets and we would learn commerce. Pretty much like, I don't know, like bare bones. So if there was a car that I wanted for $10, he would give me six and be like, okay, we'll go get it for six. Or if you want to buy two for one specials, just like on the cuff, off the cuff, local um, commerce, I remember that distinctly as a child. So I think being drawn to that, getting my business degree, finally graduating, moving to Portland, Oregon, starting a dojo and still having a desire to uh, have my own storefront, and kind of just took a plunge and did it and the funny thing is the timing of this podcast i think the store actually turns 10 tomorrow on september
0: 15th oh congratulations
2: thank you thank you very much 10 years of brick and mortar stores so it's not just the online business so dojo Operators does have an online arm and the reach is now internationally and national um but we've been a brick and mortar store for 10 years and it's hard knocks is bringing a brick and mortar in a dot-com is a school of hard knocks we had to survive a lot of problems and things that dot-com brands and businesses don't have to survive but um yeah i mean just rolling with the punches and wearing my scars and just kind of constantly doing it and evolving has got me to a uh the position i'm at today where i'm going to celebrate 10 years of of business tomorrow
1: so super cool and you talked about you know like Having, you know, going through mistakes in order to get to where you're at and, you know, uh, you hit a nail on the head, every every successful business had to go through a mistake or a bump or, a you know, a lump here and there. So tell us about what your how you learned from your mistakes and how you how you basically said, you know, I made a mistake. And instead of just throwing your hands up and saying, "Well, I guess I'm done," uh, how did you how did you get past that? How do you get past your your mistakes, if you want to call it that?
2: Matt, a, a lot of it. I, I mean, it's multifaceted. I think a lot of it, off the top of it, just just off the cuff, I think a lot of it was like ego. I coming young and being a competitor. I was a judo competitor for a large chunk of my judo career, and if you just think about what an elite competitor has to have, the mindset. Almost self, almost selfish. You have to almost be a selfish individual. And I, what I'm trying to say is, like, especially in judo, you have to make your own weight. You have to do all the running and do all the what you call me. It is an individual sport, but it also takes a dojo to have a successful competition room. So having that mindset and having that competition mindset, I once I was done competing, I was still left with this inherently selfish mindset. This is all upon reflection over the course of my life, of course. Um, but what it really helped me realize was when I would make a mistake I would have to own that mistake so it would take that it would take that almost like negative connotation of being selfish and actually trying to put a positive or a, or a shining spin on it where you know what who made the mistake I did ultimate responsibility is on myself as a business owner and I would say that not only in business is owning a, owning up to a mistake, if I forgot to pay invoice, if I forgot to do X, Y, Z, or if I, you know, if I did something unknowingly and I'll get the feedback back, the, any, any part of being, you know, from CEO to a leader to actually just being a leader, or in my case, being a good man is ownership of a mistake. So ultimate responsibility is on who myself. And yes, maybe there are external forces of like a landlord or, a customer or any other external force that maybe I didn't foresee. But the 51% of the responsibility is going to be on myself because I'm the one that put myself in that position with my words or with my actions. So I think once I kind of like reflected and it took a lot of time and it was it was painful to look in the mirror and realize I was a selfish individual. But I think upon the reflection, upon the um upon realizing that it actually made me a better man, a business, a better business owner. Because if you make a mistake, well, who, who made the mistake? It was me. Where did I make the mistake? Here. How can I not make that mistake again? Okay, if I see this situation play out with another individual or another vendor or another landlord, I alert. I made that mistake already. I may make another mistake, but I'm not going to make the same one. So, in that mindset, I think that's just one of the answers that I feel were. Um, deep self-reflection and realizing that my ego was holding me back and taking ultimate responsibility of the mistakes, but also the victories too, right? mistake You you can't separate the two. You can't separate victory and and mistakes. And once I kind of realized and digested all of that, I mean, I'll take the, I'll take responsibility for the wins too. And I'll also tell, you know, my team and the people around me also had that victory too, but the mistakes around me.
1: That's fun because behind every successful individual is a team, whether it be a team out front or a team behind the scenes. And you know, you just talked about that, about your team behind the scenes for the most part that you know that you know keep you going. And you we talk about ego a lot, right? And we talk a, a lot about the book over our shoulder here. Again, the alter ego effect, about actually having separate egos. In order to be successful or in order to talk differently to somebody that you you know you want to talk to right and, and it's all about putting those different hats on as you know as you mentioned about you know ceo to you know day-to-day to uh paying invoices you know it is you know just because you have one job doesn't mean that you have one job right so that's
2: correct that's, that's correct
1: Andy, the, the one thing
0: that I want to touch on, on the passion side of it, and I think a lot of uh, judo, jiu-jitsu, whatever combat martial arts sports you do, uh, a lot of people that do have black belts in our sports and our disciplines understand it. But, you know, a lot of kids that have my black belt behind me here, you know, I have a good group of kids right now and they're like, oh, does that mean you're the best master of judo? And <laughs> No, yes. No, I, no. I, yeah, you, you always have to go. Well, yeah, that means I've I've beaten everybody. No, <laughs> that means I've been learning a little bit longer than you have. So, talk about how you know you're a fourth dan in in judo, a second dan in jujitsu, which is no small feat. How have you taken the lessons you've learned in those journeys and brought them into into your business? Oh work?
2: man, that's a great that's a great question. First and foremost, um very relatable. And as a martial artist yourself, I think I think you understand how they can be relatable because um in one facet, if you even get a black belt or a or a first degree don in anything, it's never it's sh- if done correctly, it shouldn't be given to you. It should have been earned already. So over the course of my life or a martial artist's life, they'll understand that you only get in what you put what you put, you only get out what you put in. So the effort and the desire and drive to show up, do the practice, get your beatings, keep going, like you 're not if done correctly in a, in a healthy dojo it should be earned from the start and not given um I think what my mind immediately went to was like the darker your belt or the more degrees you get the more responsibility it is hmm. whether you want that responsibility or not because if you're if once you finally get your your first degree black belt in judo um you may be considered a sensei and now you have kids looking up to you you have younger belts looking up to you and just the fact that you tie that belt on and step on the mat, You're assuming that responsibility, again, whether you want it or not, whether you whether you you can't tell kids in the dojo or younger people in the dojo. Hey, don't look at me. You know, don't pay attention to what I'm doing. You're going to get that regardless if you step on the mat. So maybe that means that you train harder or you stay on the mat or, or you show up early and clean the mats or you stay late or you grab the the youngest or the or the least experienced individual and you try and give your strength to them. There's so many unlisted things that come along with wearing uh, uh, a darker belt that sometimes I feel from from the bottom. I don't want to say bottom in a derogatory way, but like in the hierarchy of the structure of belts, like it's hard to explain the responsibilities uh, that the higher rank will receive to the younger belt because they're just, they're just not there. They're just not there. Sometimes they think they're there, but they're not ready for it or mm-hmm. Uh, there's the type of person that if you give them that power, they're gonna squander that power or abuse that power. Um, another thing that comes to my mind, just off, just off the top, and what we do, people are just gonna try and kick your ass way harder. Just off the top, like it, it, like when I see a blue belt or, or a purple belt in jiu-jitsu or a brown belt in jiu-jitsu or and at this point a black belt, um, there's a certain amount of hierarchy that I have to uphold given my rank and given my my status and what how I how I view myself. So. I I go to dojos all across the country and everyone's trying to take my pelt at all times. Like it's protect yourself at all times. And it's making sure that I always I'm always training at my highest capacity. I'm watching what I eat. If I don't touch the mat, I'm working out. And it just kind of keeps me on my toes because every time I step in the dojo, I want to represent myself first, but I also have to represent my lineage, the people that co-sign the belts for me, like that's very, that's very, very important for me. And I take that responsibility very seriously. So yeah, sometimes we have these young junior kids that are like, I'm ready for the belt. Give me the belt. And it's a big shock responsibility wise and physically wise and technically wise that people view and treat you differently mentally and physically Mm -hmm. as soon as you tie that belt, whether you want it or not.
0: Yeah. that You hit the nail on the head there. And it made me think of you got it on the, in the dojo outfitters world, you have all these great little sayings. And the one that you've said to me a few times uh, in our previous conversations is perfecting the craft. Is that what perfecting the craft means to you?
2: Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, perfect the craft, just, just from a business standpoint, I started perfect the craft a couple of years ago. One, admittingly for selfish reasons, I'm getting older. Like, you know, how martial artists, we age in dog years, so I feel I'm, – I'm only 38, but I probably feel like I'm 58. You know what I mean? Like my body is pretty – getting older. I'm still training. But I started Perfect the Craft, which is our YouTube and media arm of Dojo Outfitters. So um, I wanted a library and encyclopedia that I could look back on in 10 years or 20 years or I could show my two boys what I used to do when I was younger. And I thought like, well, Perfect the Craft, Um, I was watching a lot of boxing at the time. And they would call it craft right it's a craft it's an art it's a craft and in my head i'm like "Perfect the craft would be a great name for a judo and jujitsu video series mm-hmm. so uh i did it i i mentioned i hit up one of my friends who's an artist in hawaii his name is east three he's a graffiti artist and i said hey can you just hand style this perfected craft thing and put judo jutsu on it and he just like he's a master of his craft too and he did a graffiti hand style and that became the sticker that became the branding so perfecting the craft is not only in the physical realm it's also in the mental realm the responsibility realm that's that that to me was um kind of dropping the pin on perfecting your craft at all times protect yourself at all times and perfect your craft at all times so it's not just physically perfecting your craft it's you know reading reading content or art of war or mastery or just any type of content that will actually push your skill level in in the positive direction because it's hard enough to just do that. If you're not doing all the extra things like minding your diet or eating or or, or anything, fighting another human being in martial arts is hard enough as it is. If you got to fight yourself too, then you're fighting two people. Mm-hmm. So perfecting the craft, always pushing that that needle forward. Obviously, in the world, like it's always going to be naturally trying to be pushed back, given work or family or things outside the dojo. So just minding your p's and q's, perfecting your craft at all time. Um, that really resonated with me. And we're still doing perfected craft
1: uh, to this day. Hey, Andy, what, why don't you, uh, for the people who don't know what Dojo Outfitters is as a business, why don't you tell uh, tell us what Dojo Outfitters, you know, uh, uh, does?
2: For sure. Dojo Outfitters is a brick-and-mortar store, and we cater towards the needs of judoka and jujutsuka. So the main bread and butter is geese. so judo geese and juditsu geese. With the explosion of no-gi jiu-jitsu and submission grappling, we've actually grew our no-gi um, selection, which is essentially like rash guards and fight shorts. Uh, the 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 pinpoint in jiu-jitsu terms has kind of moved towards no-gi grappling, and the store has followed that. Um, but primarily, we are a gi store. Uh, the good thing about judo, judoka is that in order to do uh, judo, for the most part, you need a, a judo gi. And for, for the most part, in order to do Brazilian jiu-jitsu, you need to be a gi. And your physique is different than uh, your physique than my physique and her physique. So what better thing to do than have a store where people could try the gis on first. And we probably have over 50 brands of gis, uh, different vendors, different sizing, different materials, different cuts of gis. So over the course of, of 10 years of business, I unknowingly became like, you know, it takes 10 years to master anything. I'm sure you guys heard that before, 10,000 hours or I like to think of it in years and turning 10 tomorrow to a certain extent, not to be bragocious, but like touching geese and textiles for the past 10 years, I could feel a quality Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu uniform and a quality judo uniform and I know the difference. So I essentially curate, given my history and martial arts and training and, and everything, I curate the products that we have in the store. So, when people come and visit us in Portland, Oregon, um, you know, we've had people come from all over the way. I had a guy come from Mexico just last week, bought three geese, never saw a store like this before, tried everything on. It was just super hype. And I've seen that over the course of my running the business, I've seen that, you know, time and time again. So, on top of that, you know, we also sell hats, we sell kind of lifestyle accessories, clothing, t shirts, joggers, hoodies, bags, and, um, that that part really caught me by surprise because the bread and butter was going to be a store from the start. Dojo outfitters were going to outfit people from the dojo. And I'll never forget, speaking in this terms of business, I used to carry other um, brands of shirts and uh whatnot, hats. And the very, very beginning, I couldn't really sell those items. But we did print maybe one or two like dojo outfitter shirts, and like I couldn't keep those in stock enough. And I was, I was confused where it's like, well, people are like, we want to sell geese I didn't, I, I'm not trying to really sell t-shirts and sell this lifestyle apparel. And eventually I realized that people could get this other brand merchandise elsewhere. They could go to the other uh, vendor's website and grab that shirt or grab that gi. What they can't grab online yet is a Dojo Fitter shirt. So that, that made the brand special. And I, once I realized that I was like, well, I'll make some more shirts. Well, I'll make some hats. Well, I'll make some jackets, some some joggers. I'll make a water bottle. Like nowadays, like we've transcended into many different genres, many different types of apparel, or or you know enamel pins or stickers or skateboards. Like we've done, we've done a lot of different lifestyle things that are outside that are kind of synergistic to the lifestyle of judo and jiu jitsu. And yeah, it's just kind of been a, a crazy journey and just kind of like going from success to failure to success again, and just kind of like you know, creating and and tapping into trends along the way that I've never thought, you know, kind of just unknowingly fell into. But luckily, have the acumen, have the people to make it all happen.
1: So I have two questions for you. So next time in Portland, if I come down to your store and I buy fighter shorts, does that make me a fighter?
2: Well, it could be. You'll be dressed like one, but the fighter mentality has to be up here, right? That's where it comes from.
1: Okay, well, that that helps because I am a psycho. Uh, Perfect. (laughs) You
2: and me both, perfect.
1: (laughs) Uh, Second question is, so did you uh, only start online first and then open the bricks and mortar, or was it bricks and mortar first?
2: What's so crazy is we were brick and mortar for, uh, I want to say, the first two years, three years. Like, we were only brick and mortar sales for that long. And to keep prices super, to keep everything low, the first Dojo offers was actually in a storage unit that was kind of like this weird, it was a weird, it was, technically it was a storage unit, but it had like these outdoor windows. So it was kind of like retail space, but we had like a big roll top. It was maybe like, gosh, 200 square feet. It was small, small. And we have photos of it that I'll probably share tomorrow because we're turning 10. But we started so small. We kept all the prices down. We kept all the overhead down super small. And we just kind of just like moved units and sold geese out of there and, Eventually, you know, I uh outgrew the space and found another space. And now we're kind of in the the aesthetic that I kind of really envisioned over uh opening the store. We finally nailed the aesthetic that I want uh in the, in our current uh building. But no, we we weren't online for the first two or three years and I almost didn't even want I almost didn't even want to go online. I wanted to stay brick and mortar. Um I was kind of just naturally gravitated towards that. I felt like even now, even now. I don't really view, although I should, I don't really view like Amazon or or other online retailers as competition because I'm dropping my pin first on brick and mortar. And then we have the outside, the the online sales that's coming after that. So if you guys ever come in the store, if you ever seen the store, I make sure that it's curated, it's clean. Like I said, I set the environment. For anyone that may come internationally if they come from Korea, if they come from Mexico if they come from Portland, if they come from California, wherever they come from, that it lives up to the expectations of what I'm saying it is, of what it is curated, it's a special place for Judo and jiu practitioners and there's not many of those, there's not many brick and mortar stores for Judo and jiu and if there were, I've probably either been to them myself or know of them and it's a very niche and small segment um and I, I'm just happy to be a part of it and be a, a leader in that, in that small niche. Love it.
0: I think that's a really important message that, you know, like we said, I think off camera on how you can copy and paste this passion into what, what whoever listening to this is passion is. So you focus on the culture and your vision opposed to trying to be too big, too fast. And that has, you know, 10 years in business is no small feat, but You know, that's what drew me when I found out what Dojo Outfitters was, the culture of it. Because if we look at hockey, there's so much cool hockey stuff you can get, football, baseball. But I'm like, why don't we have sweet judo t-shirts? Like, I want a judo hoodie. Like, and you got some great branding. So was that always the mission, focusing on the culture and, like, the branding and the vision before, you know, growing and, and, and realizing that?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. I think a lot of it was was kind of like you said we mentioned it off camera, but mentioning it now was um the realization that I could be a person that brought clean designs to at least judo. And I'm I'm right there with you because we're lifelong judoka and every time you go to a tournament, some of these t-shirts I see for judo places that's make me cringe. And the one I always bring up, that's always that I, whenever I see it, I always share it. It says touch me and your first judo lesson is free
0: i've seen and it, i'm like but it's the same it's so bad
2: and i'm like who who a is buying that and b why is this the t-shirt that has five thousand likes on instagram like if you're a true judoka that's not really even the mindset that you're gonna have so once i see things like that it's like well i'm not gonna do that if you want to wear that that's fine i'm gonna drop my pin on something that Uh, our judoka division we have a a t-shirt that says epon on it and Mm -hmm. all our all our work all our artwork is always custom so i'll find someone we do a lot of hand style and graffiti kind of hand style but always kind of tastefully done one that says epon on it and it says judoka division on the back and it has our kanji logo and to me that's like something that's like clean it's 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 subtle enough everyone every judoka will know what the epon is so if you're wearing a shirt that says epon and i see you walking down the street i'll say oh that's a judoka Without having it be like touch me in your first lessons free, or just other something that's kind of corny, you know. So once I realized that I could be the person that could set that tone, or I'm sorry, that could contribute to setting the tone, uh, and maybe change what could be offered to the Judica masses. um, It made me almost like, okay, well, if there if there's if there's a, a market for this. how can I uh, add to it or how can I, as a judoka, how can we mutually benefit? I could I could benefit financially from making clean judo um, um, merchandise and the market benefits because now they have another option that doesn't say something weird on it that you have to be judoka tied into that. Um, very quickly, one of the things that we did for the longest time, we used to make these hats and it used to say judoka on it. And I'm a big hat guy coming from, I used to blog for hat hat blogs all over the place. Oh, and I you. knew that there was a I knew that there was a pin that we could drop but you could make collective one-of-a-kind colorways for hats. And we used to do these judoka hats um that would sell out in a matter of a couple of days because it would just say nice and clean judoka. We would do switch colorways, and once they sold out, they sold out forever. So if you like the color, you know, get that one. If you're if, if we're never we're never gonna do a restock on any colors. And we kind of brought that collector's type of idea into the judo world. And um, man, it took off and and we could at one point we couldn't keep the judoka hats in stock and i knew i made it and i knew I, I had a footprint in the culture when other brands that would copy and put judoka on their hats or put judoka here because it wasn't being done before it wasn't being done before dojo Outfitters did it and i'm not being bragocious, but i just know and i see the trends and i see what went on and just to push the culture forward that's another logo that we have is assisting to push the culture forward um, for me, that uh, let me know that okay, people are paying attention, and other brands are paying attention, and imitation is the best form of flattery. So I took that for sure.
1: And being Hawaiian, that's a big thing for you, right? The culture of being culturally sound in in your oh yeah,
2: yeah, I believe so. I mean, coming from coming from the islands, being from Hawaii, born and bred in Hawaii, um, I think you're just made. You just you just cut from a different cloth because you don't you don't want to be fake. You don't want to be a fake individual because in the culture I come from, you're going to get sniffed out. And not only sniffed out, you might get stomped out or you might get, you know, outed. And yeah, it's a very tribal country, uh, very tribal uh, where I come from. And and just being that kind of individual my whole life, um, it made me aware of rules to do and how to act and how I want to conduct myself as a man and a business and how i don't want my business and how i how i personally don't want to conduct myself or stand next to or validate because where the brand stands and where i put my face and my words matter so if the brand is next to another brand like we do now we're at the point where we do a lot of collaborations between um you know scramble or just or 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 fuji mm-hmm. at this point there's a lot of brand we've made it to the point where other brands will see our value so whenever we're kind of working with a brand collaboration, I have to make sure that that brand's social media is something that I want to stand next to. Is that something that I would want to wear? Is this is their history and what their message is in accordance to what my brand wants to stand next to, or is it what Andy Hung wants to stand next to?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And I I wonder if everybody thinks that way or every brand thinks that way because sometimes I see things and I'm like that I personally wouldn't have done that move given how I either came up in my culture or what I want my name to stand for. And it's important, right? It's important to like realize where you put your face matters and where you don't put your face also matters. And I feel like knowing when to do both uh, contributes to a better well-rounded individual.
1: I've seen plenty of partnerships where you just described it where, uh, you think like really was that why would you partner with that person and it comes down to monetization at the end of the day and that's the only that's the only affiliation that they have is to make money and yeah it, it's kind of it, it some of it kind of makes you sick to be honest it's yeah for sure and like
2: i rather i'd rather i rather have just keep the money or just like i don't i don't need that money like not all money is good money right and being from a small business owner like the bottom line is i got you guys know how it is like rent uh, taxes, uh, anything, all expenses over here, but things like loyalty or things like, uh, loyalty to my vendors, the people, some people I've been doing business with for 10 years and yeah, another vendor comes in with a lower price and I'm the type of man that I'm not going to be like, well, I'll go with the lowest price because the bottom line is all that matters to me. Like I don't conduct myself that way. Like the loyalty of who was with me from the start that is worth more than money to me. I'd rather have those connections and have that friend and, and be able to look them in the eye, where it's like, hey, I'm, we've been doing this for ten years, and yeah, other people came along and competitors came along, but I didn't waver. Maybe other people did, but I didn't. And I feel like you can't you can't buy that. You can't you can't buy that looking looking in their eye or sending the email or taking the phone call, and stand and being able to stand on that. Um, and I'm not sure if everyone conducts themselves that way. Is just how I choose to do it? my my own business. And yeah, maybe it costs me money for sure, but I, I'd rather lose that. Not all money is good money.
1: percent agree. The, the whole thing about being loyal is about being loyal. Like we talk about all the time, being loyal to your network and being loyal yep. to your brand. Right. So if you're going to set up your brand to be X, you know, make sure that you're going to be loyal to X because it's going to take you to where you want to go. If you believe in it. Yeah. And, yeah. and that's one of the guiding
0: principles. I mean, We've talked about this lots on why we created the high professional network. We wanted to bring people that do think like that. So, you know, if somebody's starting up a business, maybe it's judo, maybe it's jujitsu, maybe it's nothing, but they can find people like Andy now and go, well, this guy knows about passion and how to guide it. And I want to connect two things for all the listeners that that really stuck out to me in that the last bit Andy had one of the guiding principles of judo. And Andy said it is mutual welfare and benefit for all clearly if you haven't been listening, rewind it about 10 minutes. Andy has put that into everything he's done with Dojo Outfitters, with his coaching, and put that first. So take that lesson, know your passion, understand it. If you are the most passionate person in the world about golf shirts, and you know everything about golf shirts, take that passion first, let that be your guiding principle, and then apply it to others, and always keep that at the core. Don't worry about that quick dollar or be in the flashiest, worry about the brand, worry about the culture and everything else will follow.
2: Yeah, facts. I mean, you nailed it for sure. And like, you know, mutual benefit, like you said, in judo, uh, that's one of the founding principles. And if, if imagine if everyone in business, it, which is probably impossible, but imagine if everyone operated in that, in that way. It has to be mutual, it, which will never happen because not everyone's a martial artist. Not everyone's, not even, not everyone even wants it to be mutual. Mm-mm. Some people want it they wanted to only go one way, and um, I don't know. I, I I'm just not that kind of individual. It's not how I want to be, so I'm always trying to look at when I work with artists, especially artists that we commission out for. You know, with my ideas, I'll send them the idea or I send them a prompt, and the artist will send me artwork back. Obviously, they're obviously they're compensated, but what I really try and drive to is like I never try and box in the artist that I'm working with, because if I'm gonna box them in. I'm going to limit their I'm going to limit their input. I'm going to limit their uh their their art and I'm not that's not why I'm commissioning them. That's not why I'm working with them. I'm working with them because I want them to flow freely and I want them to to express themselves. So even in the terms of just like working with an artist, I always try and make sure like it's mutual because I like your art, but I want you to create with these little bullet points, but pretty much anything you put out we're going to we're going to work cuz I already like your stuff. So even in just terms of not even monetization or anything else, it's just like working with people. Let's make it mut- mutual, beneficial, and yeah, work. It, it's been working for the last ten years for sure.
1: And so, are you currently still coaching uh, both judo and or business, uh, Andy? At all? Well, I don't. I don't actually coach business. Um, although at this point, uh, I feel like I probably could.
2: I, I mean, I just coming across of being ten years brick and mortar. I mean, if you, the funny thing is, if you ask me, I don't even have any, I don't have any anniversary plans. I don't have any parties thrown. I don't have, I don't have, I don't have a t-shirt made. Like, it's just like, I'm the kind of guy that's just like 10 years. It's cool. I'm not done yet. I'm going to wait for 20 years. I'm going to wait for five years. I'm going to wait for 25 years. So for me, it is a big deal and it's almost to a detriment because I never really give myself any credit for what I did, but I guess 10 years is big, big. for brick and mortar store. Big. For me, I'm gonna be doing it regardless. Like I'm not gonna stop until I decide to stop. So, coming through COVID or coming through any type of brick and mortar issue, it was it was relentless. It was never gonna stop. So for me, 10 years is like, of course I was gonna do 10 years. I'm actually gonna try and do 25 years. So for me, 10 it is what it is. I'm gonna keep going. Um, I think I forgot the question. Unfortunately, I have had about a pot of coffee, so my brain is kind of just. Dis- mm. Wired, what was the question?
1: That's okay. It, it, it actually, it, it actually, you what you just said kind of switched my question a little bit as well. I'm sorry, you mentioned earlier about your you have two sons. So you know you may have that that chance to pass that legacy on to them now, and you know you talk about twenty five years, and you know you talk about that you have a, a one month old uh, currently. So in in fifteen years, you know uh, he may be learning from you at at a, at a ripe young age of fifteen, which is a great age to start learning at, to be honest, because you learn you know the the right from the wrong early uh, for sure. You know, so you know at the at the thirty five year year mark. Now you know now that now that your kid is into it for twenty five years. You know, yeah. uh, you know he, he could be a real you know leader within the 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 bricks and mortar yeah. dojo. Uh, yeah, for there. sure.
2: If that if that's in their script, if that if that's what they choose to pick up, then I will let them pick that up. And actually, going back to the previous question, yes, I am currently still teaching judo and jiu jitsu. Um, Not teaching business to to a certain extent, but always open for opportunities. But I am teaching judo. um, And to kind of tie in what you just asked, I do take my oldest son. My oldest son is about three years old, a little older than three years old. And finally, I feel like he's old enough to, like, come to the dojo with me. Uh, He could be on the mat, play around. I've been taking him to the store since he was a month old. So he's already been in the store with me. Whenever I'm doing orders or watering plants or just, like, growing up in the store, literally – Seeing me um, work, like seeing me create, and I didn't come from entrepreneur parents. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't see what it was like to uh, live out a, live out a passion, or um, you know, they, my parents just went to work. That's just what they did. I, I didn't see what the entrepreneurship was really like. So if I'm in that position now to show my sons, hey, it's hard. It's very hard go out on your own uh and and make a business and pick up pick up all those responsibilities whether you want them or not but i've always been the type of individual that I will bet on myself all the time and if i lose betting on myself i'm okay with that what i'm not going to do is bet on an external force bet on another job bet on some somebody else or somewhere else because then i'm i'm giving all that power up to an external force i rather th- pick up the dice Throw the dice on myself. If it comes up craps, then I threw the dice, and I chose to pick up – I chose to do it, and I can live with that. And so far, overcoming and just just being relentless and just always coming back, getting thrown for epon and coming back, and it's hard to beat somebody that shows up every day. You don't have to be – it helps to be the smartest. It helps to be the toughest, but it's the one that, like, evolves, the, the, evolves with the current – environment or adapts to the pressure or, or sees the vision three years in advance or two years in advance. That's the one that, you know, makes it. And if I could show my two sons that man, that that's, that's then me as a father, you know, that's, that's a success for, for me, for sure.
1: I'll tell you what, Andy, if you could show this to your kids in 10 years from now and know that they have such a positive role model it, it oh yeah, in there, right. Right. Sitting right in front of them. Uh, there's a lot of kids that don't grow up with that positive role model, and uh, you know, their lives go south in a hurry, right? So, to have a positive role model like you, and you know, having somebody to look up to, like you know, taking your kid to the store at one month old and now three years old, uh, that's invaluable, you know, in this day and age. You know, there's a lot of kids that don't get that they don't get that opportunity you know what I mean and a lot of kids see that and see their their dad come home from a dead-end job that he doesn't like and complains about it the whole time you know yeah you have this you know successful business that you are you know you know letting them see that you know it just doesn't come out of the sky you have to work for it but at the same time you know having somebody to to uh you know talk about the the tribulations of getting that business off the ground you know that's that's worth its weight in gold you know like it's invaluable yeah and that's and then you you talked about not not being able uh not being a business coach and greg said not being a business coach yet Uh, somebody like yourself just with the conversation we've had so far is uh you know a a, a mentorship uh from a guy like yourself would go huge to somebody Mm -hmm. you know who they could be 15 or they could be 50 to be honest with you just to hear the words that you've said today. I think I appreciate that. Take something out of that because the, you know, there's more, there's more to just starting a business by saying, I'm just going to start a business today. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I
2: appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Cause I, I don't view myself in that, in that lens, but when people like yourself that you've talked to, I mean, the panel and the people that you've had on this show alone for you to say those words to me, I appreciate that very much. So thank you.
1: You're very welcome. Thanks for being on. I, I, we really appreciate this. Like Mm -hmm. this, this every time, every time we have somebody on, you know, and you, you mentioned, uh, your words were that you bet on yourself. Uh, I first heard those words from our friend, Nick Lewis, who is a CFL hall of famer. And he said that to me, uh, I'm I'm going to say about 3 years ago now. Yeah. Um we were talking on the phone one day and he said to me he goes we were talking about DraftKings as a matter of fact. And Okay, yes. Yeah. And he said to me he goes I don't actually do DraftKings because I just bet on myself. And that was the, huh. end of the conversation. I'm like, <laughs> "Alright, Mike drop, I don't need to talk about I don't need to talk about how I lose on DraftKings every weekend, right?" <laughs> so yeah, that was his words to me was I don't play DraftKings because I bet on myself. I'm like why do I play draft games? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, great. Right? So, yeah, betting on yourself is huge, you know, within being an entrepreneur and being able to be successful. And uh, you know, I think we all bet on ourselves to the point where it's like uh I I'm just going to keep betting on myself, you know, mm-hmm. whether the bet comes up, you know, red or black, uh, I'm still going to keep betting yeah. on myself.
2: Yeah, I think so and and you know, what's funny is to keep that to keep that uh, metaphor going, like the more the more that you pick up the dice and the more you throw them and the more you you take the risk, the more comfortable you get, the more you you you're able to ride the successes, and then you also be able to weather you know the dry times, the weather the the difficult times because I think the I think the the pain and suffering comes from trying to split the two, uh, the, and the difficulty comes from trying to split the two of like I only want the wins but I don't want the losses. And over the course of my life, realizing that it's it's a impossible to separate the two, and the pain comes from trying to differentiate between the two. So for me, once I realized that, was well, like I'm also a habitual risk taker too. I I I've stopped taking a lot of risks because I have two I have two boys now, but I was very fortunate for for if you're thinking about starting a business, uh, the best time would probably be ten to twelve years ago. The second best time is today, because I was made. I was what? It's gonna be 10. So I was 28 when I started Dojo Offers, which is way young enough because if Dojo Offiders failed for three years or five years in, and I was like, you know what, it's not working. I don't want to do it. I'm only 32, 31, 33. Like I could still just get a regular job at Costco and I'll be fine.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So when I when I when I realized that my age and my youth was my my my, my strength, which I'm sure. All your listeners probably heard before. Like time is the most valuable asset, but the younger you start, the better because you'll make all the big, all big mistakes and all the things that you, all, all, all the bad things that can and will, or maybe will happen. At least you'll be younger and you can always come back. So as I'm almost nearing forty now, and now I have a family and two kids, now my risk taking is a lot more strategic. It's a lot more. I can't overextend or overreach myself because. If it's not good for my boys, it's not good for me. Mm-hmm. So now I can't really take that much risk. Luckily, I was a risk taker back in the day, so I could still benefit from those dividends and those gains. I could benefit from those losses and those lessons. But I think taking the risk when you're young—if uh, everything—if—if—if if, if it all ends up on double green, if it's a roulette wheel, so what? You could come back and build your bankroll again. It's not a big deal.
1: I just had a friend of mine the other day ask me about uh, her daughter's graduating uh, grade twelve this year and what 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 I would suggest for her to go into university for. And I said to her flat out, I said, take business, just go into business to start. Whether you want to be a chiropractor or a doctor or whatever, take business. Mm-hmm. You'll learn the business side, and then you can go yes. to your own chiropractic clinic. You know, is just That's like what you I did, did. Yes. exactly, yeah. exactly.
2: I couldn't, I, I couldn't for the life of me, I couldn't even understand what I wanted to do. I was doing, I did all my general credits. You know how college you use the general credits? I would do all these judo competitions. By the time I was probably three or four, three years in, I was like, I got to get a major because I already did all my GEs or I already did everything already. So luckily, like you said, I was like, well, I guess I'll just go business because it's pretty, it's pretty generic and you could go anywhere with it. And luckily, like, you nailed it. So yeah, if there's an 18 year old out there, you don't really know what to decide, man, business is a great place to start. It doesn't mean you have to end there though.
1: Exactly. And then you from business, you can become an entrepreneur like yourself, or you can, uh, you know, work for whatever, a hospital, I, I don't know, you know, work wherever you want. Yeah, but The thing is about taking business, it'll set you up for that next step, whether that be owning your own place or working for somebody at a high level. Mm-hmm.
2: Correct. Yeah, and the good thing about being business is this may not apply to everybody, but I had to take—I never forget—I had to take the same accounting class like three times. I failed the same this accounting class. I couldn't wrap my head around it, so I'm admittedly not the sharpest number tool in the box. (laughs) But I still did the class. I still graduated, and passed the class. So business, I would just say, is like, hey, general, if you have a good head on your shoulders and you like to work hard, business is a good place to start because. Like you said, you could go anywhere from that. So you don't have to be the sharpest or the best-looking tool in the box. All you gotta do, all you gotta do, is be a tool. All you gotta do is be <laughs> yes, there's
1: hope <laughs> for us after all, yes. JB.
0: <laughs>
2: oh, yeah. Anyway, you you know, you could have a, a great mustache. You could be mustache list. Business is a good place to
1: start. Love yeah. it. At least I have a nice smile. That's what my mom tells me. Anyway, <laughs>
2: that's what a mom a mom would say that for sure.
1: <laughs> she she is one of our biggest fans she is one of our biggest fans.
0: <laughs> oh, mom hello mom <laughs> hi mom uh andy this has been been fantastic um we could chat like most of our guests we could chat with you for hours on end but uh i think this is a good place to end off before we let you go sure. where can the hive nation find you out uh, out on the webs
2: yeah, Hive Nation. Uh, follow us. We use Instagram as our main social media. You could follow us at Dojo Outfitters. You could follow me personally at Andy Nawaza. Uh, you could find our YouTube Perfect the Craft series if you just type in Perfect the Craft Dojo Outfitters. Um, yeah, check out DojoOutfitters.com. And if you're ever in Portland, Oregon, uh, stop by the store. We could have some coffee. We could talk business. We could talk life. We could talk Judo, Jiu-Jitsu. Anything you guys need, I'm always here. And I just want to say thank you, guys, both JB. Uh, appreciate you guys, uh, giving me, reaching out, giving me an opportunity to like share my story. And hopefully if we, if we all influence one person to take that jump and, and make a positive change in their business or their life or wherever it is, then man, it was, it was for sure worth it. So thank you for the opportunity. I appreciate it. And, um, aloha. Thank you guys.
1: One person is a feather in our cap Andy. I'll put it to that way. That's, you know, that's, that's a huge feather in our cap, really it is for sure. For sure. Well, brother, thanks a lot. Really appreciate your time. Hey, thank you. Go Oilers and go Flames. Go or- <laughs> no, no, no Flames. Go. <laughs> Hi, <High> nation. <laughs> at? Aloha.
2: Thank you, guys.